0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the first day, He created light, and He said, It is good. And then God created the land and the seas, and they were good. Then God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created the fish and the birds and every creeping thing, and they were good. And then God created man, and God saw all that He had made, And he said, it is very good. But then God looked down from the balconies of heaven upon the loneliness of man and declared that loneliness is not good. It is not good that man should be alone, God said. And so thus the first thing that the eye of God identified as not good was loneliness. Why is that? Well, because we were wired to need other people. We need relationship. Uh, Even Simon, who sang, I am a rock, I am an island, had Garfunkel singing with him. Back up. All of us need people. Uh, The Lone Ranger needed Tonto. Batman needed Robin. You need somebody as well. King Solomon has a lot to say about relationships and how to forge strong ones and how to repair ones that are broken. And I want to invite your attention to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, as we think today about some proverbial advice on relationship from King Solomon. Heard a story about a Los Angeles police officer who took some training to find out what to do in the event that you're bitten by a snake. And the trainer said, "Well, if, if you are unable to get to medical care and you're bitten by a snake, very quickly cut that place with your knife and suck out the venom." And this police officer, thinking quickly, said, well, what happens if I'm bitten on the behind? And the trainer said, well, you'll find out if you've got some real friends then, won't you? We all need friends because sometimes life bites us in the behind. All of us need friends. We've got to be selective, though. About who these friends are going to be. And we're going to see a lot of scripture today. We'll be hopscotching all through Proverbs as we think about relationship, about how we are to be cautious in our friendship. Look at Proverbs 12 and verse 26. A righteous man, the Bible says, is cautious, underline that, cautious in friendship. So we've got to be cautious. We've got to be on guard. We, Uh, We've got to make sure that those individuals we allow into our inner circle of intimacy that those people are the right people to have influence on us. And so as we think about relationships today, I want us to begin right here with the absurdity of random relationships. That is, just willy-nilly allowing people to come into your circle of influence uh, without any attention whatsoever to their character or their integrity. We must be discerning. You don't want to play Russian roulette with your future. And that's what you do when you allow anyone to be your personal close friend. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Choosing relationships is one of the most difficult but important things that we as Christians do. Now, why is that? Well, because, dear friend, you are a mosaic of those people who are closest to you. You're going to become uh, like that man or that woman or that young person that you allow into your inner circle because their morals, their values, their dreams, their aspirations are going to rub off on you. Their convictions are, are going to rub off on you. It's like osmosis. You may think that you are an individual. But you would be surprised how many habits, how many opinions you soak up from those who are around you. And so if you want to significantly uh, retard your improvement and growth in life, then surround yourself with losers. However, it works in the opposite direction. If you want to improve your lot in life, uh, if you want to go forward in life, then, friend, choose those people around you uh, who can uh, positively influence you in a great way. The Bible says, Proverbs 27:17, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And in a very real sense, friend, you can tell where you're going to be in life ten years from now just by looking at the people you've assembled around you. Because in all likelihood, you're going to be about where they are. And so that's why choosing your friends becomes so vital. Nothing affects your well-being more than those you allow into your heart. That's why Solomon writes in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Just in the area of marriage, who you choose to marry, to spend your life with, is vital. Uh, So often we pastors have meetings like this one where... Uh, a person, usually a woman, will come in and they're weeping and sobbing and they're talking about how that their husband never goes to church with them and they have to get up all alone and, and get the kids ready and bring them to church and check them into child care and all. And, and then at night when they're tucking in Junior into bed, uh, why uh, the husband's out in the hallway snickering. And, and you know, you don't have to be much of a prophet to realize that very soon when that child gets to be high school age, if Daddy's still snickering, Junior's going to start snickering too. And so whom you choose to be a spouse, to be a close friend, to be your employer, these are vital decisions because your relationships are either going to be constructive or destructive. Psychiatrist Fritz Perls wrote a book called In and Out of the Garbage Pail. And he says there are basically two kinds of people. There are T's and there are N's. Now, T's are toxics. You know some toxic people in your life, don't you? These are people who wear you down. These are people who drain you. When you leave their presence, you feel fatigued. I mean, they can, they can brighten a room by walking out of it. That's a toxic person. Then there are the ends. Ends are nurturers. When you're in their presence, why, you feel better about yourself. When, when you're there, you feel, uh, you feel confident. You, you feel like you can, you, you, you can conquer the world. Some of you are fortunate enough to be married to such a person. God gave you a nurturer for a spouse, and, and, and God bless you if indeed He did. And so the, uh, the issue is, what kind of people are you going to choose to be in your circle? Will they be T's or N's? Will they be toxic personalities or nurturers? Well, I submit to you, dear friend, you want to avoid allowing into your circle toxic personalities. In fact, uh, let's talk about radioactive personalities. These are people you just want to stay away from. Love them in Jesus' name, pray for them, but don't allow them into your circle. Let's talk about the avoidance of radioactive relationships. Find Proverbs 6, if you will. Proverbs 6. And really what Solomon does here is he gives us a... A checklist, kind of a friendship checklist of six negative qualities to watch out for because these are red flags. If you're choosing someone who's going to be a friend or a business partner or uh, maybe a spouse, uh, then you need to be on guard that you don't see any of these six red flags because that means that person would be radioactive to your growth as a Christian person. Notice what Proverbs 6 verse 16 begins by saying, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Now, this is a poetic way of saying following is a list. It's a specific list. However, it is not an exhaustive list. And so you may find other red flags outside of this list that Solomon's about to give us. But here is a broad brush overview of the kind of radioactive personalities that you want to avoid. And you uh, ignore these really at your own peril. The first one Solomon says to avoid in close relationships is that person who has an attitude of superiority. Notice that God detests haughty eyes. Now that phrase refers to someone with an attitude of superiority. This is someone who is prideful. This is a self-important person. Maybe it's a self-made man who spends all of his time worshiping his creator. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And so if someone is prideful, the Bible says that they are headed for destruction. Now, why would you want to link arms with someone who is destined to fail? I mean, uh, you better be around somebody who's humble or they're going to stumble, right? Uh, I heard one time somebody say, you know, if a man is too big for his britches, he'll be exposed in the end. And uh, if you hang around a prideful person, uh, that person, that guy, that girl is going to be exposed sometime in life. And you don't want to be anywhere uh, when they do. All right? so. Stay away from those who have an attitude of superiority. Second, the Lord says he hates a lying tongue. And so you would want to avoid anybody who is loose with the truth. Uh, We're not just talking about uh, black lies. We're talking about white lies. Someone who puts their own spin on the truth. Avoid those people like radioactivity. Avoid them. Uh, you you want to put in your circle those who are transparent and truthful. In fact, we'll talk about this in just a little while, all right? And then the Bible says in verse 17, Beware of hands that shed innocent blood. Now, we're not just talking about stay away from axe murderers and serial killers. Of course, that would be the case. Uh, but we're talking about those who hurt other people, hurt innocent people without cause, Uh, People even who are insensitive or unkind. Uh, You know of people, don't you, who like to throw their weight around. Uh, You know of people who who devalue others by the words that they speak, by their, their arrogance or how they treat other people, especially people who are weaker than they are. If you wonder how you will eventually be treated by someone, just watch how they treat those who are weaker than they are. Watch how they treat someone in a service industry. Or maybe a, a server at the restaurant. Watch how they treat someone who makes less money. Watch how they treat mom or dad. Uh, if you want to know how your potential spouse is going to treat you, young lady, just watch how Junior treats his mom. If you want to know how you'll be treated as a husband, just watch how she treats her dad. And that'll give you a good indication of somebody who may be insensitive or unkind. Stay away from them. And then fourth, Avoid those who devise wicked schemes, the Bible says. You've got to keep an eagle eye out for uh, those who would implement or justify shady deals, illegal plans. Now, I know there's a word that's been coined in the last ten years. It's that word compartmentalization. And compartmentalization means, well, uh, our heads are divided into these compartments and uh, you can be dishonest in this area and cheat on your wife in that area and be unkind in this area, but you can be a great friend over here. Now, I've got a Greek word for compartmentalization, poppycock. That's nonsense. Uh, My friend, if you're not a person of integrity over here, you, you won't be a person of integrity over here. Uh, if you'll tell a white lie over here, you'll tell a black lie over there and God doesn't see shades of gray where lies are concerned. And so we need to be careful about allowing someone who lacks basic integrity into our circle, somebody who would willingly devise some wicked scheme. Maybe you're thinking about going into a business with a potential partner. Uh, Be very careful about uh, linking yourself with somebody who's always looking for loopholes, who's always looking for the gray area in the law, all right? Then the Bible says, God detests a false witness who pours out lies. What is a false witness? Well, in Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are to be found, the Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness. If you read the original Hebrew, what it's saying is thou shalt not answer nor repeat. And so in essence, what the Bible is saying, if you are not an eyewitness, you are a false witness. You are spreading rumors and gossip. And Proverbs eleven thirty three or thirteen, brother, says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. And so, if you meet someone who's very quick to pass on dirty information and likes to fill your, uh, your ears with the toxic sludge of gossip, you can be certain that person will speak just the same of you when you're out of your shot, and your back is turned. So watch out. The Bible says in Proverbs 16:28, "A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends." Now, if the acid of gossip Is occasionally found on your tongue. Let me give you a a five point test that you can uh, give yourself before you share some little nugget of information that you have. In fact, uh, what I want to encourage you to do is to think. T H I N K. Think. The first thing you would want to ask yourself is Is this little rumor, is this little factoid, is it true? T. Is it true? Did I witness it with my eyes? If I did not, then I am a false witness, you see. I'm just passing on a rumor, which may very well be untrue. So, is it true? Secondly, is it helpful? Just because you know something about someone or some situation, is it truly helpful to spread that news? I mean, does it uh, raise up Jesus Christ? Does it glorify Him by spreading this toxic sludge? Is it helpful, you would ask yourself? The I stands for important. Is it important? Uh, Just because you know something doesn't mean that you have to share it. Is it truly important for you to share this news? And then the N stands for necessary. Is there some crisis that you're trying to avoid by sharing this news about someone? Is it necessary that that other person know uh, this chatter? Is it necessary? And then K stands for, is it kind? Is it kind? I mean, at the end of the day, is it the right thing to do to share this news about her or him or that young... Is it really the right thing to do? Is it kind? If you'll implement this... Think acronym. Some of you, is going to rob you of about half your conversation, but the other half that you have left will be godly. Will be godly. All right, so stay away from that person who spreads rumors and gossip. Then number six, avoid those who are hot-tempered or argumentative. God's Word says to watch out for a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Now, I want you to listen to how Proverbs 22, verse 24 puts it. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man, the Bible says. Do not associate with one easily angered. Do you know somebody who has a hair trigger temper? The Bible says don't even associate with him. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Now, you and I both know that there are some people who just thrive on stirring up dissension all the time. I mean, they want to keep people around them in turmoil because they feel like it empowers them. Uh, I would say to you young people, especially you young ladies, if you're dating somebody who has a hair-trigger temper, if he is controlled uh, by his rage, dump him. There's somebody better for you out there. Uh, if you're a young man who is dating a, a, a lass who has uncontrolled temper, dump her. There's somebody else better uh, for you out there and your life will not be nearly as miserable as it, as it otherwise would be. Father, if you have a child who falls into all kinds of temper tantrums and rage, oh, my dear friend, the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. When I was a child, if I lost my temper, Daddy helped me find it with a razor in his hand. My friend, uh, stay away from those people. They are toxic. They are radioactive to your well-being. And while we're talking about uh, close relationships, there's no relationship, of course, other than the one you have with Christ. It's closer than the relationship you potentially would have with a spouse. And Solomon has a lot to say about picking uh, this man or this woman that you're going to spend uh, uh, the rest of your life with. And over and over again, Solomon seems to be putting up red flags, trying to get our attention, saying things like, better to live on the corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Don't you like that? That'll bless your heart. Ten verses later, he says, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. Now, this is a man who had 700 of them, so he spoke uh, with with great aptitude. Now, friend, I think what, what Solomon is trying to say here, whether you be a man or a woman, he's saying, look, you can mess up in many areas of your life and you'll survive. I mean, you can shank a golf shot and you're going to survive. Uh, You can dent the car, you're going to survive. You can burn the Thanksgiving turkey, and you're going to survive. You can flunk a pop quiz, you're going to survive. But in the area of marriage, if you mess this up, you may not survive. In fact, I I think all of Solomon's teaching could be boiled down to four simple words. Don't mess it up. Be smart before you get into a marital relationship. If you don't... Uh, then you're going to subject yourself to years of headache and turmoil. Don't mess it up. Now you say, well, Pastor, give me some principles I can use. Help me to appraise the romantic relationships that potentially could be in my life. How do I know who is Mr. Wright or Ms. Wright I'm dating right now. I don't know whether to charge forward or beat a hasty uh, retreat. Uh, Dear Abby got a letter not too very long ago and uh, said, Dear Abby... I'm engaged to this man, and we are just getting ready to marry. I have just learned that he has a wooden leg. Should I break it off? (laughs) Now, Now, how can you know... Whether you should break it off or not. I mean, is just being in love enough reason to get married? Sometimes I'll meet young people and they'll say, Oh, when I, when I see him, I just can't breathe. Friend, that's not love. That's asthma. Who <laughs> when I see her, I can't see straight. Go see the optometrist. That's not love. You see, uh, what does the Bible have to say about appraising that person who potentially could be your spouse? All right. Well, some things to look out for, all right? Number one, you would only want to consider those who follow Jesus. Only, 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 only consider those who follow Jesus. There's an old uh, Puritan proverb that says this, If you are a child of God and you marry a child of the devil, you will be sure to have trouble with your father-in-law. Some of you will get that tomorrow. My friend, listen, don't date somebody who's not a Christian. Don't do it. I mean, you, you just don't want to date a child of the devil because if they're not a child of God, they're a child of the devil. By the way, do you know what you get if you combine the devil and a redneck? Beelzebubba. Not worth mentioning, I guess. Okay. <laughs> you remember that our memory verse is Proverbs 1 7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, friend, listen. If you fear the Lord, that is, you are a Christian, why would you want to unite in flesh your life to somebody whom the Bible calls a fool? someone who despises wisdom and discipline that's why so often you've heard me uh, champion from this pulpit do not be unequally yoked uh, with an unbeliever now i know why uh, singles sometimes really chafe when i preach on this schedule and they say well uh, on, the, on the scripture they say well pastor what you're doing is greatly restricting the playing field for me here and yes the bible does that uh, because the bible only wants you to look among Christian people. It'll make your life so much happier. All right? Then we read in Proverbs 11 and verse 3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. You would want to make sure, dear friend, that uh, you would choose for your life's mate a man or a woman of integrity and character because you deserve someone who will speak truthfulness with transparency. You deserve that. Don't settle for second best. Now, listen to this from Proverbs 16 and verse 13. Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. Now, if a king takes pleasure in honest lips and values the man who speaks truth, doesn't it stand to reason that as a child of the king, you likewise should... Uh, take pleasure in honest lips and value a man or a woman who speaks the truth. If you're looking for a spouse, run from that person who's always shading the truth, always putting a spin on it. Run from that person who who doesn't share with you uh, what they're about and what they've done and where they've been, uh, who isn't transparent uh, with you because you're going to find out eventually. You might as well find out now. You deserve better than that. And you should expect respect. You see, why? Because you are a child of the king. You have royal blood uh, pulsing in your veins. Uh, You were made just a little lower than the angels. I mean, God thinks a lot of you. He sent his son to die for you. I I love that verse that's over there in Proverbs 31, where it talks about the ideal woman. And it says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. You are worth. Far more than rubies because you're a child of the king. Don't settle for second best or even third best. You know, we're hearing in the tabloids these days about speculation of whom Prince William over in England is going to marry and who Harry is going to marry. And 30 years almost before that, it was who is Prince Charles going to marry. And the reason that question is always asked is because we assume that a prince deserves The best. Well friend listen. You are a child of the king. That makes you a prince or a princess. And that means you deserve the best. God has created somebody for you. If he desires for you to marry. Someone who is perfect for you. And so don't settle for just anybody who comes along. I mean don't pledge your life to some deadbeat. Just because your biological clock is going off. Or because you're tired of wearing taffeta gowns for other girls. Uh. Don't do it. Don't settle for a loser just because you're lonely. Uh, Find the one God has for you. Proverbs 28, verse 6 says, Better a poor man... Oh, I love this verse because it flies in the face of the materialistic culture we live in today. Listen to this. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. Therefore, young person, you would want to ignore money because your heart is not for sale." So often you can get swept up in the success of that other person or the money that they have or the material possessions that they have, but money, while it can buy many things, cannot buy things of true value. It can buy a house, but it can't buy a home. Uh, It can buy an education, but it can't buy wisdom. Uh, It can buy sex, but it can't buy love. Money can buy influence, but it can't buy friendship. Remember that story of the rich wife who was yelling at her husband And she said, if it weren't for my money, why, that Rolex wouldn't be on your arm right there. And she said, if it weren't for my money, why, you wouldn't be sitting in that easy chair right there. And she said, if it weren't for my money, why, that that Mercedes-Benz wouldn't be out there. And he said, lady, if it weren't for your money, I wouldn't be here. Don't let money or achievement cloud your vision. See the one God wants you to have. And then fifth. Listen, I beg of you, listen to the counsel of godly people. Don't march headlong into a relationship that may ruin your life simply because you have an urge to merge. You just feel like, well, it's the time. No, no. Uh, Find godly people whom you respect and say, what do you think? Is this the one God has for me the Bible says in Proverbs fifteen twenty two, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Uh, listen, if you're still living at home and there's somebody you're dating and mom and dad who walk with the Lord say, ah, I just don't feel good about him or I just don't feel good about her, run for your life because they love you. They don't have a dog in the hunt. All they want is for your happiness and your joy in life. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, as we prepare to close, I I want us to help those of you who are involved right now in rocky relationships. Maybe you have a rocky relationship at work. Maybe you have a rocky relationship there at home. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Uh, Maybe you're having a rocky relationship with parents or with children. What does the Bible have to say for you? What are some answers for rocky relationships? Well, Solomon gives us six Solomonic principles that really can revolutionize and revitalize and resuscitate a relationship. First of all, if you want to do this, you've got to learn self-control. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but listen to this, a wise man... Keeps himself under control. So many marriages, so many relationships are torn asunder because of unbridled anger. And anger is just one letter short of danger. What happens is you become angry, whether it's self-righteous or not, and then you lose control. Of your anger. Jesus became angry, but sinned not. His anger was under control. And so many of us, we ruin relationships because we've never learned to practice self control. And when the anger comes through our mind, it's like a wind that just blows out the lamp of the mind. And what happens is you'll say hurtful things, destructive things. And once the words are spoken, they're so difficult to get back, if not impossible. I think we could learn something from NASA. NASA always has a countdown before a blast off. Why don't you take time just to count before you say something hateful. Count to ten, count to a hundred, count to a thousand if need be. But don't spew those hateful words. Learn self-control. And then second, if you want to resurrect a rocky relationship, try being respectful and gracious. Uh, You'll shock the other person. To everyone, the Bible says, Proverbs 10:12, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all wrongs. And so what you want to do, if you want to resurrect that relationship, is cultivate the habit of forgiveness. Uh, teach yourself uh, how to overlook the imperfections in other people because they are looking, overlooking the imperfections in yourself. Uh, Teach yourself uh, not to continually criticize that other person, but be respectful and gracious. Just overlook minor faults. And then third, learn to listen and think before you speak. Proverbs 21, 23. In fact, I could quote probably ten Scriptures on this very point. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Sometimes we say the most hurtful, hateful, hellish words when we're angry and caught up in the moment. Learn to listen and think before you speak. Heard about a couple they were arguing and the wife said, you know, I was a fool when I married you. And he said, I knew that, but I was too in love to notice. Don't say hateful things to your spouse. Uh, Don't let that uh, ugliness within your heart come out over your lips. We've seen the The tragedy of that, just this week, a certain presidential candidate spoke some hateful words, I think, earlier in the week. He's tried to pawn it off as humor. Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt if he did. Even if they were humorous words spoken in jest, you realize he's destroyed any presidential ambitions he has with one ill-conceived statement. That's the damage your speech can do when you don't stop to think before you speak. Learn to listen and think. And then, uh, notice that uh, Proverbs 25 verse 11 says, that word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. By the way, those apples of gold would have been oranges uh, in the original uh, text. Uh, a word aptly spoken is, is ripe and beautiful uh, like oranges in settings of silver. And then Proverbs 24, verse 29 says, Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay, back, uh, pay that man back for what he did. Here's the fourth principle. Let go of vindictiveness. Let go of the need to level the playing field. Or, to equalize the score, if you 're always trying to get even, you 're never going to get ahead in life. I, I heard the other day that in the newspaper, there was an ad said, Wedding dress for sale, never worn will trade for 38 caliber pistol there's someone who 's got some vindictiveness to let go of, right? In New York City. There was a piece of property located between two brownstones. It was five feet wide and it was owned by a certain man named Richardson. He tried to sell that five foot piece of property to the homeowner on the right and the homeowner on the left, but neither would purchase it at a high price that he thought it was worth. And so just to get back at them, just to spike them, he built this hideous five foot wide house in between the two brownstones. And even today you can see it. it's called the spike house. This five foot wide house, this man named Richardson, eventually moved into himself and confined himself to misery because he was trying to get back at them. And so often we do just that, don't we? We confine ourselves to discomfort and misery because we're trying to get back at somebody else and it only ruins us. Oh, my friend, let go of vindictiveness and never be too proud to seek help. Never be too proud to reach out and say, Hey, I I need help in this relationship. The Bible says pride only breeds quarrels in Proverbs 13.10, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. If you and a colleague have come to a logjam in your relationship, get a third party involved. If you and a client are involved in a dispute, bring in a Christian mediator to help you break the logjam. If you and a spouse... Uh, can't see eye to eye any longer. Get a Christian counselor involved. But don't wait till the end when you need a Hail Mary pass. Come in early when there's still hope for the relationship. And, and get with Paul Wiseman, our counselor, one of our fine ministers, and say, hey, we're in trouble here. Give us help. And then sixth and finally, you've got to decide whether you want to be right or be reconciled. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Are you ready to be reconciled or do you demand to be right? You know, dear friend, our example is Jesus. And Jesus in every way was right. Uh, He was right in that we are sinners, lost, headed for a devil's hell without hope. Uh, Jesus was right to leave us in that condition. But Jesus wanted reconciliation. So what did Jesus do? Well, He died to self. He got up on a cross and died for our sins because He wanted reconciliation. Now let me ask you, friend. What are you willing to die to today to reconcile that relationship, to reconcile that marriage? Are you willing to die to pride? Are you willing to die to self? Are you willing to die to your needs in order to bring about reconciliation? As I close, friend, listen. The relationship you need most in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without it, you will never see heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because Jesus died for you to be reconciled with you. And today, you can receive Him as Lord and Savior. You could just pray a very simple prayer in your own heart right now. And God will hear that prayer and the angels in heaven will begin to celebrate and cheer. Because whereas before this prayer you were headed to a devil's hell, after it you're headed to heaven to spend eternity with God. Will you pray like this? Just say, dear Lord, I desire to be reconciled with you. I admit that I am a sinner that I have sinned many times in my life. And today, I believe that You died on a cross for my sins. And so today, believing that You arose again on the third day, I accept You as Lord of my life. And it is in the blessed name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. If you were one of those who just prayed that prayer to be reconciled with God through His Son, Jesus, we have ministers here at the front of this room and of the SEC and at the West Bloomingdale campus. Would you come and we begin to sing? Just come as you are, from wherever you are. Take the hand of a minister and say, you know, I prayed that prayer with the pastor. Maybe you need to come forward and say, you know, I need to be baptized. Or I need to join this church. Our family just feels at home here at Bell Shoals. We want to be a part of this alive and growing fellowship. Why don't you come as well? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing. As we're singing, you come, you come. Th as you are